Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato for MediaMonarchy.com. The plaintiff's interest in expressing his First Amendment speech outweigh the defendant's interest in restricting the same. We have got that good news story plus prepping virtual flags for Cyber Polygon. But first, Japan shooting up everyone for the games no one wants. Japan moles vaccinating all 70,000 Tokyo Games volunteers. Japan is considering... It's funny, even they're saying, again, James, it's so interesting the way things are framed. They're considering vaccinating as though the people have no say in it whatsoever. That's always like the dudes who'd be like, oh, yeah, I'd hook up with her. Like, Yeah, like she'd hook up with you. Japan is considering vaccinating about 70,000 volunteers for the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics, while thousands of media members will be tracked by a global positioning system while they're under mandatory quarantine after entering the country to improve the safety of the major event amid the coronavirus pandemic. The officials have said just a couple days ago, they kind of bury that part from the headlines, James. The headline says Japan malls vaccinating all 70,000 Tokyo Games volunteers. They don't say media to be tracked and traced while locked in hotels of our choosing. Olympic Minister Tameo Murakawa said in response to parliamentary questions that officials have already agreed to pursue the idea of vaccinating all volunteers who registered through the Tokyo Games Organizing Committee to get them to assist at venues and at the Athletes' Village. She disclosed the plan at a time when Japan still lags behind other developed countries in providing inoculations and the large majority of people in the country have yet to be vaccinated with less than 50 days to go until the opening of the Olympics. Last week, Toshiro Muto, CEO of the organizing committee, told reporters that roughly 10,000 of the 80,000 people scheduled to volunteer at the games had quit, citing concern about the virus as a possible reason, it says. That's why the headline says 70,000 and not 80,000. The International Olympic Committee has said U.S. pharmaceutical giant Pfizer, you know, the folks behind defective heart valves and dead, deformed Nigerian kids. Good God. All you got to do is look at their Wikipedia page. Pfizer will provide vaccines for free to delegations participating in the Tokyo Games. Meanwhile, Seiko Hashimoto, President of the organizing committee said that members of the media from abroad covering the games will be closely monitored. Members of the media and others, including those from corporate sponsors, entering Japan will be required to complete a 14-day quarantine period ahead of the Olympics. Officials said they will be tracked by GPS only while quarantined. Hashimoto said they will also be limited to accommodation overseen by the organizing committee, bringing down the number of hotels that they were going to use from 350 to 150. 70,000 plus people. She said they will not be allowed to stay in rental accommodations or friends' homes. In other news about just how excited Japan is for the Nazi games, senior Japan Olympic official jumps in front of train in suspected suicide. And I don't think Kevin Spacey even had anything to do with it. James, my bad House of Cards jokes notwithstanding, this looks like yet another giant mess, just sort of slow motion mess as we watch it build and just wait for it to explode in everybody's face. Not the least of which, because it seems like the Japanese people do not want this, right? Yes, I would say that the uh, the overwhelming majority at this point really do not want this to go ahead, uh, but it's going to. I mean, there's no doubt about that at this point. 
It's just a question of how exactly they're going to frame it. We're st- we're weeks away at this point, and they're still working out all these details. It's it's insanity. I suppose, in a sense, that is the saving grace here, is that if you put the Japanese government in a wet paper bag and told them to get out of it, they'd organize a committee to talk about how to get out of the bag. And I mean, it would take months for, for anyone to even think about punching their way out. So that is, I guess, the saving grace here. I can imagine if these games were taking place in the U.S. or in some other place that has a more of an organized and efficient way of imposing the boot on the face, this would be nightmarish. Um, it still is potentially going to be nightmarish, but not as bad as it could have been. They could have used the games as the excuse. We're going to jab everyone in the country right away, and we're going to track every person, and they could have used it for the rollout of the martial law police state big style, but they, they haven't done that, so... I guess that's a good thing, Um, but I think it's only because of lack of organization rather than lack of will. Um, As I've continued to say, uh, I still think that after the Olympics comes and goes and all of that's done, then they can get to work on really cracking down on the Japanese population. They've already started that um, since my last update uh, several months ago. They've passed, for example, new legislation that allows allows the prefectural governments to set certain mandates on businesses when there is a state of emergency declared, like closing at 8 p.m. and that sort of thing, and enforce it with fines. So they have started to try to put in some of the infrastructure, not exactly lockdowns like people around the world are experiencing, but some sort of measures and that kind of thing. I imagine that's going to increase after these games take place in whatever form they do. But I just found it interesting, that article we're citing from, yeah, they're talking about, of course, vaccinating as many of these people as they can. And, of course, the GPS tracking. Uh, Update to that story from today. Uh, Apparently, Olympic Body says visitors will not be tracked real-time by GPS. No, 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 no. They're going to be tracking their GPS coordinates and everything so that afterward they can go back and say, did you follow your plan? We're not going to be, I mean, it would take manpower to be tracking people in real time. So we're not going to do that. We're just going to collect all the data and make sure it's there so that we can pour over it later and determine what you did and did not do and whether you committed thought crime, which of course is the entire thrust of this biosecurity police state. They're just rolling out. I want to see what form this app or whatever it is this takes. Ankle bracelets? I don't know. (laughs) Who knows what form they're trying to think about putting this in. But anyway, this this could be the cover for the complete unleashing of the biosecurity state. But just as I say, thankfully, the Japanese government isn't organized enough to do that. Well, you, you, and as happens sometimes, you may find yourself right in the middle of the biggest story in the world in a couple of weeks, whether you want it or not. To be stereotypical, James, when Japan isn't a leader in efficiency, it seems like we're all in giant trouble. Speaking of giant trouble, our second story on this New World Next Week, episode 450. We'll just do the thing, of course, that gets us kicked off of platforms, reading the press releases from the places. Cyber Polygon to focus on secure development of digital ecosystems. This comes from cyberpolygon.com. Cyber Polygon 2021, the international online cybersecurity event is scheduled for the 9th of July this year. It will be dedicated to the secure development of digital ecosystems. The event is hosted by Zone. it might be pronounced, an expert in strategic management of digital risks and is part of the SPUR ecosystem, S-B-E-R, And of course, with support from the World Economic Forum Center for Cybersecurity, 
and Interpol, unfortunately, not the band. This is an annual event going way back to 2019. This is only the third one. They started this thing, I think that's the same year they did the Event 201. The key objective of Cyber Polygon is to enhance cybersecurity across all levels. It will traditionally feature two parallel tracks, an online conference for the general public and practical activities for security specialists. The conference will bring together speakers to discuss the key risks posed by digitalization and share best practices in developing secure ecosystems. Again, they like to use words for ecosystems that describe you know, the real world, nature, trees and air and things like that. Again, they steal the real and sell us back the fake. No, that's an ecosystem. You, you should go live your whole life in it. The participants of the technical training will practice their skills in mitigating a targeted supply chain attack. That sounds familiar. One of the new features to be introduced this year is the real-time updates for cybersecurity specialists who couldn't join the exercise, presumably because of the super scary disease killing millions. On the day of the event, recorded presentations from cybersecurity experts and the organizers' insight into the training scenarios will be posted to the cyberpolygon.com website. The materials will also be available after the event. Not sure if they'll have any cute plushies or not. The key message voiced by experts at the World Economic Forum and other international platforms is that supply chain security is to become a major cybersecurity issue in 2021. The ever-expanding, ever-expanding, I should say, digitalization tightens the interconnectivity between people, devices, companies, and countries. And of course, the differences between those things seemingly erased. Thus, the resilience of an entire system depends on the ability of each link within a chain to withstand threats of various grades. James, generally in, in the past and crazy conspiracy alternative media, I've basically said any drill we knew about in advance probably was always nothing. It's the drills we didn't know about, like 7-7 and 9-11 and those events that turn out to be big things that smack us in the face. In the past, I would have said that, but now it just, again, seems like it is full tilt boogie. Yeah, exactly right. All bets are off the table, and we can't necessarily use the past couple of decades as a guide for what's coming in the next several years. But uh, but yes, I mean, we do not need to elaborate to this audience, surely, that this is already part of the news cycle. And we have been prepped for this story for decades, really, but really, really for the last several months. I mean, solar winds, Colonial Pipeline, JBS... And now there's, you know, outages of various sites that take place. And the first thing that people think is, oh, is this a cyber attack? It, we are definitely being prepped and primed for this. And Cyber Polygon is an important part of that. Just the, the fact that that's taking place and that it gets news attention and that it's being touted and pimped by the World Economic uh, Forum and other obvious agenda setters at the moment. Let us not forget it was Cyber Polygon 2020 that gave us Galactic Emperor Schwab proclaiming from his perch, his Bond villain-esque perch, that uh, the COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. Uh, I mean, uh, we know exactly what they are preparing. They, they've, they've even put the terminology out there, cyber pandemic. And now, what are they specifically looking at? Cyber attacks on the supply chain, exactly as has 
I just emerged in the news in the past couple of weeks, just as they're planning this. So, yes, I am not sitting here saying that on June 9th is when some big cyber attack is going to take place under the cover of this drill. I, I mean, maybe. As you say, all bets are off the table, maybe. But that seems a bit cartoonish. But the implications of this sort of event are numerous and deep. One of which I will continue to point out because it is ridiculous and hilarious that the thing that you will never see in any mention of this in any mainstream source is that, of course, this whole event is organized under the auspices of Sberbank, one of the biggest banks in Russia, and uh, specifically their cybersecurity unit is doing this. Again, the Russian hacking hysteria of the past half decade and this major cyber security event being hosted by the, the dastardly Russians, and you don't hear a peep about it. It was the Russian prime minister that opened the proceedings in last year's cyber polygon. So, I mean, there's some weird things that go on with that, which could, one imagines how this could play out. For example, what if Sparebank was using all the information it's learning about these cybersecurity t specialists and teams and their weaknesses and vulnerabilities and how best to hack people and using that to create a cyber attack that's then going to launch, you know, Cyber World War Three or whatever form this takes. Again, you can imagine the narratives that are already underway, and I'm sure they have a lot of different cards they could pull out of their sleeve if and when they need to. Um, but... That's just one way that this feeds in. And I think the most important part of this, of course, is that this continues to be, and is increasingly so, part of the narrative. As we are placed into the digital world, cyber threats are going to be dangled in front of our face in the exact same way the, the turban boogeyman was dangled in front of our face for the past couple of decades. Here's the new threat, and you guys better be prepared for it because it is coming. And when it comes, you better believe it's going to be the cover for a whole host of sins. Economic collapse, whatever is coming. Oh, it was a cyber attack. And it was the Russians. Oh, I knew it. Oh, now it's time for war. Um, again, I think we need to be prepared for this narrative so that we are inoculated against it, to use that phrase, before it happens. James, you mistakenly said June 9th. Cyber Polygon begins on July 9th. Luckily, we've, we've, we've made it through June 9th, I think, since that is today, as we're coming to you with New World Next Week, episode 450. James, you almost remind me, it's basically... This sort of, you know, learning the information to use against the others is basically like using chess players moves against each other. Like we learned, of course, from Darren Brown years ago and our buddy Richard Grove. Interesting thing, too, about all of these hacks. They all have a nature name and theme to them. Solar winds and pipelines and meats. It's not hacks about, oh, Twitter and Fedbook. When they told me there was a hack, my first reaction was somebody started the exercise early. World Economic Forum partner JBS Meats coincidentally hit with ransomware attack. That's been one of the latest hack attacks. And some of the other ones, James, the cops already got all that crypto back from the colonial PSYOP. U.S. recovered millions in ransom from colonial pipeline hackers, but cri crypto is still totally our, our savior, right? As, lo as long as the power is still on, I guess. And remember... On the Colonial Pipeline story, share it with your last friend standing. The Colonial Pipeline was fine. Its owners admit they shut down the spigots because they weren't sure how they were going to get paid properly. Colonial Pipeline was fine. Its owners shut it down to make sure they'd get paid correctly. Hey, speaking of 
sharing information. My Alexa friend disabled the Amazon sidewalk mesh thing we talked about last week just in time. I think he probably had hours to spare. So there is good news. There are ways we're winning. James, even when I typed that in the show notes prepping this, it was like, oh man, we haven't said ways we're winning in a long time. And for our last New World Next Week segment before a little summer break, we've got a few more positive developments, a sort of good news roundup for story three here on New World Next Week. Judge orders Virginia school to reinstate teacher who refused to use the trans pronouns. A Virginia judge ruled Tuesday that a public school district must temporarily reinstate a gym teacher who was suspended after he told officials he refuses to call transgender students by their pronouns. The plaintiff's interest in expressing his First Amendment speech outweighs the defendant's interest in restricting the same. Actually successfully cited the Masterpiece Cake case we also mentioned last week, James. This is an ongoing thing. Basically, while it's being litigated, they've ruled to give this guy his job back temporarily. So, of course... Depending on how they rule, they could be out of a job, you know, pretty quickly. I couldn't help but kind of joke and think and thinking about that situation, James. Go through the whole thing. Make them do all that work. Make them have to take you back. And then you go back and just as everything's about to go, you say, I quit. Sorry, you're going to have to hire somebody else. Just make it as difficult on them as possible. Vaccination rates fall off, imperiling Biden's July 4th goal. Plummeting vaccination rates have turned what officials hoped would be the last mile of the coronavirus immunization campaign into a marathon, threatening President Biden's goal of getting shots to at least 70% of adults by July 4th. Sorry, not that many percentage want those shots. Another really good one. Houston, again, these, I suppose, James, in some ways are not unmitigated good news because we're still talking about a bunch of people out of work because of a scamdemic. Houston nurses protest after losing their jobs for refusing COVID-19 shots. Fantastic stuff from our buddy Derek Bros and posted to thelastamericanvagabond.com. Monday afternoon, employees of the Houston Methodist Hospital System were joined by supporters from around the Houston, Texas area as they were suspended without pay for saying no to COVID-19 injections. The employees are now suing Houston Methodist. How about this weird kind of good news story about how dinosaur media is self-destructing and basically whoring themselves out just to try and keep their relevance and of course, revenue. Sweet Tooth newspaper ad stunt sparks divisive reaction. USA Today came under fire for an advertisement that at first glance, made it appear as if the paper was getting into the supermarket tabloid game by teasing human-animal hybrid babies. While it looked like a genuine front page from USA Today, it was really an advertisement for the new Netflix series Sweet Tooth. James, I had actually just heard about the latest Cuties Flicks programming from a listener. Keener wrote in to say, started watching the new series Sweet Tooth on Netflix. It's about a virus wiping out humanity and the evolution of human-animal hybrids, which all the good characters think is a good thing because humans are generally stupid and generally malevolent polluters. The only known treatment for the virus so far is taking the hybrid children and extracting a serum from their pineal glands while they're alive, which of course kills them and gives regular injections of this serum to the sick people. My husband watched for a few minutes in the first episode and asked how they could release a series about a virus right now. 
I think we know the answer to that. It's so obvious you have to willingly not want to see this, or maybe your pineal gland is already full of aluminum and fluoride and glyphosate, and they literally can't actually see it. My last thing on this good news roundup, maybe again, isn't exactly good news, but it is a good follow-up on questions asked last week about that so-called punk show in Florida, charging $1,000 a ticket for the unvaxxed. I asked for some help from folks in the Florida area. Huge thanks to longtimer Caleb for writing in to say, I grew up in Tampa, live an hour away in Orlando now. Paul Williams, that was the promoter, does not have a LinkedIn or Facebook account, and there's nothing on the internet about him or this group besides this one story. I have some friends in the industry, including some guys I went to high school with who organized the Tampa Pig Jig, the 10th annual maskless event taking place in October, Darius Rucker headlining, not an ad. No one we know has ever heard of Paul Williams or Leadfoot Promotions. Leadfoot Promotions is not a licensed company or fictitious name of any company licensed with the Florida Division of Corporations. Paul Williams is not the registered agent for any Florida company. The event has now been moved from the VFW to the skate park of Tampa, the spot. A little more digging could actually reveal some more interesting facts if this event actually goes forward and money is collected. And there, of course, will be a a money trail, James. A little good news this week, just just a little bit. A little, not unmitigated as we tend to say, but it is important to focus on the things that are being done. And let me just go back to that story about the Houston uh, Methodist hospital workers. And as you say, it's not a good news, certainly, that these people are being put out of work, but it is good that they uh, there are people who are standing up to this and are willing to put their jobs on the line uh, for what what they know is right for themselves and for others. And I, uh, trust me, I recognize not everyone is in the position to be able to tell their boss, stuff it, I'm going to go on the unemployment line because I'm not taking this. There are a lot of people that are being pressured into this. I don't know about you, James, but every single day I'm getting emails from people. You know, I'm being pressured by my boss or my, my employer says I have to take this. What do I do? I'm sorry, I do not have the magic wand. I cannot give you some sort of magical solution to this. It's going to take people standing up to it. And again, I can't make that choice for any individual out there or blame people for doing what they have to do to feed their family. But when people like this do put their jobs on the line and do make a statement, we should support them. And we should lend our voices to theirs to make sure that it is heard loud and clear. Because one way of viewing the entire COVID crisis is through the lens of the trial balloon. That this entire crisis is, in a sense, a trial balloon for the biosecurity state. How far can they push, push it? How fast can they push it? What will people like put up with? And where do they draw the line? And if we don't clearly show where we are drawing our lines and saying, hell no, then they're going to continue pushing. That's, that's the meaning of that phrase that you've probably heard. This pandemic is over when we end it. When we say no, when we stop putting up with it. And yeah, it's unfortunately, it takes some people literally paying with their jobs in order to do that. So let's lend our voices to theirs and support people like that um, in those sorts of actions. So I hope people check out that article to find out more. And let me just add my own tiny little... I, not unmitigated piece of good news to this. Um, currently, I am on day 13 of my seven-day seven suspension from uploading to YouTube. It's still not letting me upload anything to YouTube. I, I, whatever. It's like our, when our main channel got struck, I think, for the second time with a New World Next Week episode, and then suddenly it reappeared for no reason, and the, the strike was gone, and I didn't get any notification. 
It, 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 and it, it also reminds me of Ryan Christian when he partially kind of got his YouTube channel back, but some videos were randomly deleted and he couldn't uh, he couldn't mess with his play playlists or anything. Like it, it occurs to me, uh, I don't think this is deliberate. I think there is uh, there are algorithmic bots and whatever that are implementing these censorship measures, these haphazard things that they're throwing on and different rules and stuff. And I think they have literally broken. YouTube, broken one of the biggest sites on the internet in their desperate attempt to censor information. Ah, people are talking! Ah, quick, throw on the bots! Ah, who cares if it's completely breaking our system? Um, that, to me, is a sense. It's not unmitigated good news. It's it's something. I, they are literally breaking their own systems just to try to stop us from speaking, and guess what? It ain't working, because I am getting just as many views on all the alternate platforms that I'm posting to than I ever did on GooTube. So, neener, 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 GooTube. <laughs> Go destroy yourselves, and I don't care if I never get to upload another video again. It really doesn't matter to me. Uh, the only thing is, if you happen to know some unfortunate person in your life who only goes to GooTube, you can at least let them know that I'm not there anymore. And again, the platform named... YouTube. Sorry, you aren't allowed to do anything on there anymore. Man, I love what Ryan Christian's been doing. Basically, whack-a-mole, bobbing and weaving on YouTube. Basically, people have been handing over the logins to their channel so he can essentially do a pop-up stream that day. It all goes out. Everybody gets it. He can save it and then just bob and weave and do it again. That's pretty fantastic stuff, James. I don't know if you'll maybe quite get to that point. You're not exactly a live stream kind of guy, but again, this is, we're getting back to the era of, it's going to be basically like pirate radio and we'll all have to pump up the volume. Hey, in closing on this episode, 450 of new world next week, just want to announce as I teased earlier in this episode, we are taking a little summer break. I am going to be off the media monarchy air for the rest of June. We are going to visit family back east in West by God. <laughs> Wish me some luck. Also, we are going to be working on a secret awesome Media Monarchy project that's going to launch in August. It is good stuff. Very excited about that, James. You and I each, both together and separately, a lot of good stuff in the works for your Jameses. So I'll ask you, are you going to take a little break as well, aside from New World Next Week? There is some summer break coming uh, in the near future for me and Brock. Uh, I think we're going to be here next week as usual, but I will announce it when when we take a couple weeks off. Uh, we need summer vacation just as much as everyone else. So we're going to take a couple weeks off, but I'll announce that when it comes. But anyway, yeah, so New World Next Week will not be back for a few weeks anyway, right? Yeah, and it's funny because I, I feel like I can already tell. It's starting to warm up. And of course, we've got to turn off the fans and the AC to make a good recording of a new next week. I feel like you can start to tell I start, we start to get a little shinier here on these <laughs> hotter summer episodes. James, I appreciate you so much, buddy. I thank you. Awesome. Well, right back at you. Thank you for doing what you do and uh, looking forward to talking to you again. All right, man. Take care. Take care.